everybody, welcome once again to Unprofessional. I am Dave Wiskus, joined by one of my closest friends, Jamie Newberry. Hi, Jamie. Hello. How are you, Dave? I'm excellent. Awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> How are you? I am also excellent. Cleaned the garage today. That is not a metaphor for anything. It was literal. <laughs> <laughs> The garage. You can't. You can't hear me doing air quotes, but I did. Well, if it's the garage, that's normal. If it's my garage, that's suspicious. Then it's a possessive thing. Oh, hey! Right. By the way, we have Marco Arment with us. Hi, Marco. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to be back. It, it, was, it, was it right to be humming the theme song in my head during the intro? Because I wanted it to feel right, and so I just, I just kind of put that there. And then when, at the end, when it like. When it kind of goes out of tune slightly, is that is that intentional or is that my Absolutely. podcast app? Is that a bug in my app that I have to fix? Absolutely intentional, and it's from um, it's me lifting that device from a Stills song, uh, "Yesterday Never Tomorrow." So the very end of the song, it kind of like derails and goes all off key and does this weird thing. So I'm doing a similar thing at the end of that, where I'm just bending strings and I've got like some piano stuff going on. Yeah, totally mm, intentional. Tiny nice. facts right, about the show. Yeah, it's all these little dissonant notes. I can't believe anybody noticed that. Mark, well, I, I noticed. I, oh. I'm, as you know, I'm writing a podcast app, and so sure. whenever I hear any kind of audio problem ah, in the app, I think, oh, wait, is that, is that my bug, or is that just how it's supposed to sound? Nope, nope, that's, uh, well, that's called a feature. Yeah, that's good, yeah. <laughs> totally intentional. Well, so How's that going? Wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me well, sure, interrupt sure. for just a moment. For those of, no, no, for those, for of those listeners who <laughs> may not know who Marco is, can we do a quick introduction? <laughs> <laughs> can you tell us who you are, Marco? Marco, do you like long walks on the beach? <laughs> no, actually. That sounds terrible. It sounds like sunburn and stepping on jellyfish. Ugh. I, hate the, the I, hate, I hate the entire ocean. I hate everything about the ocean. I, hate, <laughs> I don't like seafood. Oh, I don't like um, swimming. I hate swimming. I'm a terrible swimmer, and I hate it. Um, I don't like being in the sun. I get sunburned very easily. Oh, I'm with you um, there. And also I don't have enough hair, hair to protect my head, so I have to wear a hat outside all the time. It, it's, just, it's a horrible scene. Fuck um, nature. Sand is disgusting. Beach people are annoying. Uh, <laughs> beach cocktails are way over fruity. Uh, it's everything about the everything about the ocean is just horrible. And that's <laughs> that sums up Marco. So you should go to that's work for BP. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, th- well, but that would require being near the ocean a lot or being on top of the ocean a lot, and that I would I would hate that. Mm. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I do enjoy looking at the ocean. Like if, if I'm at like a hotel or on a beach, like we had to go to Florida for a friend's wedding a year ago and it was like, it was right on the beach. I, I enjoyed the view of the ocean from a balcony, like, you know, 300 feet back and a bunch of stories up. <laughs> so you're, with you're you. okay with there being yeah. an ocean. Yeah. You just don't want to be at the ocean or on the beach. In the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, like if I have to be near the ocean, uh, I will just sit, you know, under whatever, you know, hut there is that serves beer. I will, I will be there the whole time and hanging out. I relate to this so much, Marco. It's, I feel like, I don't know if it was just me. I guess it's not me. I, not only me, but um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of being outdoors at a beach. I, I don't mind indoors. I don't mind the beach view, but yeah, I feel really similar about that. Interesting. That whole, uh, what was it? Attack of the Clones speech that Anakin gives about how much he hates sand. That's how I feel about <laughs> sand. You watched those <laughs> once. I don't. You know, I, I remember so little from those three movies. Look, I was young. I didn't know any better. We didn't know until we saw them, right? Right. Yeah, I, I went to me. the midnight showing of the of episode one. I was, I think, I was a senior in high school at the time. Oh wow! Um, it, it, in in two thousand, I think it was. 
Yeah. So anyway, that I was, I was a senior in high school and, or a junior, one of those, and got so excited because I had just, you know, a few years earlier, I had just watched all the, all the re-releases of the old mm-hmm. ones and the, all the remasters and everything. And it was great. And me and my friends go midnight, get all jazzed up for it. And we watch it. And it it was kind of like uh, an Arrested Development season four situation, where like you you watch it and then like you just kind of everyone just goes home and no yep. one ever talks about it again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so true. I would, and that's a great uh, connection to make because with Arrested Development season four, you so wanted to love it, you're prepared to right. love it, and you're the whole way through. You're like, any second now, there's going to be the thing that I love, right, right. And then it never happens, and you just you have to walk away slowly. Yeah, you kind of have to like force a couple of laughs out, and it's really kind of like you're not really there's nothing behind them, and you're just kind of laughing because you think you should, and you really yeah. want to be laughing. But yeah. uh, oh man, how does it work with those things with um, the conversation later? Like, do you admit that you don't like it, or do you, <laughs> or do you kind of try to pretend that you like it until you find out what everybody else? Thinks? This is the question. See, if the theater where I went to to see episode one, as we were all walking out, not just me and my friends, but everybody walked out going, "Man, that was so awesome!" And when that happened, and when that, when Anakin blew the thing up, and everybody's you know going nuts, and then. That excitement, I think the excitement was just the pent-up, I can't believe we're getting to watch Star Wars. And then as soon as you like think about it for a few minutes, like, wait, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, we didn't hate it immediately. Yeah. We, it, was like, it was like fast food. It tastes good while you're eating it, but then you immediately regret it. Right. It's like, and, and you, you know, part of it was just the experience, you know, going there at midnight, yeah. having sure. this be the first new Star Wars movie in a billion years, and seeing all the people in costumes and all, all the weirdos and everything else. And, of course, you know, we were normal. We weren't the weirdos. No, of course <laughs> but. Well, especially our <laughs> generation. This, is the, this was the first, like, new Star Wars experience. It was exciting. And I was, I was totally at one of the midnight showings as well. Yeah, it wasn't until, like, the next day, like, looking back on it, thinking about it. Like, during the movie, it was like... That Jar Jar thing is kind of annoying, and I don't really know why they're wasting so much time on this. And what was was the pod race in episode one? I remember that yeah, whole time thinking yeah. like, and like I love the, the 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 PlayStation racing game series Wipeout. I love <laughs> I love the Wipeout series, and I remember thinking when they were making this this race scene, I'm like, this is so clearly like just to make a video game out of this, and just for yeah. more more franchise merchandising rights. And this is such a terrible ripoff of Wipeout and not nearly as good and they wasted like 25 minutes in the movie with this entire race thing that didn't matter at all and <laughs> yeah it, it, even yeah even that night I remember like it was kind of like that was kind of mediocre and then upon further critical thought and then I, I rewatched it again a few years later and it's like wow this is really not good actually yeah I think uh, the the giveaway for me, looking back, I should have known when they were doing, what was it, Taco Bell? Taco Bell had those, uh, the cup lids. You, you, you could drink a straw out of jar, like the straw went into Jar Jar's head. Oh, oh God. Wow. One, of, one of those things. You, you, surely somebody remembers what I'm talking about. But it was McDonald's or Taco Bell. I'm pretty sure it was Taco Bell. Anyway, these cup topper lid things. And they they came and they had all these TV commercials, and you're supposed to collect all eight or whatever it was. There's like Queen Amidala and uh, whoever. And I look at these things, and they were all characters I didn't recognize and didn't care about. <laughs> and that should have been a giveaway to me that these aren't, I don't, other than Darth Maul, who does look awesome, there's, there's nobody great. else yep. nobody else here I, I care about. But you can look at, even as a kid, before I saw Star Wars, 
I could look at Han Solo or Chewbacca or R2 and 3PO. I could look at these, and Darth Vader, of course. I could look at these iconic characters and I could recognize that they're iconic. With episode one, these cup topper lid things, there's nothing iconic about any of them. (laughs) Even Darth Maul, I think, you know, Darth Maul was kind of like, he just kind of appeared near the end of the movie, and you just, here's this guy you have to beat. It's like when you're playing a video game from, from the 90s. Yeah, it's and a mini-boss. It's, it's like the, yeah, it's like the second-to-last boss in the game, you know, which is just like, <laughs> you know, the last boss is, is related to the story. You know, the last boss is, is this person you've been hearing about this whole time that you're, you're building up to, you know, fighting and defeating. The second-to-last boss is just like, you know, some, some difficult thing you've never seen before or heard of and don't care about. You just have to get through it. He's the bebop and rock steady. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's like here's this thing that has, it's like no, there's no character here. You don't really care if he lives or dies. There's no, there's no complexity whatsoever. Yep. He's just like this, this you know, fake icon of you know something that's supposed to look scary. I didn't think he even looked that good. It was just eh, I, don't I don't know. I thought he looked cool, and the whole double lightsaber thing was pretty awesome. The trouble was, it was just so much wasted potential. That character could have been he awesome. Could have been awesome. Good. I agreed. See, and yeah, I made a really awesome Darth Maul cake once. <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did, Jamie. Of course there you probably, did. There probably have not been a lot of those throughout history. You know, my um, my little girl, when she was turning three or four, she loved the Darth Maul character. I don't know if that's a an okay parenting thing, but it was the <laughs> truth. And um, she wanted a Darth Maul cake, so I made that. That was the coolest thing to me that came out of those movies. A really cool Darth Maul cake. All right. I guarantee you, the cake, <laughs> even if it was a terrible cake, the cake had to be better than the movie. It, it, it was. It was an ice cream cake, too. Oh, you can't go wrong. Total derail of topic there, but I had to throw well, it the, out there. Well, I, I think we need to get back to discussing the, the Star Wars prequels because there have not been an, enough discussions <laughs> on podcasts. I was just thinking this. It's uh, about nerds Star Wars talking prequels. about the Star Wars prequels. It's kind of like high schoolers talking about The Great Gatsby <laughs> or Romeo and Juliet. What? Like, it's been so dis- like. It's so disgust to death. Hang on, hang on. Backtrack a little bit. Sure. Are you saying that in high school you were surrounded by people who were discussing The Great Gatsby? No, what I'm saying is, well, not that book in particular, but like the kind of book that you read in high school, if it's a high school curriculum style book, chances are you're not going to have an original thought about it. But your friends all sat around discussing the books you were reading in, in class? No, but in class you would sit around discussing the books you were reading in class. Really? Because I was a nerd, uh, but I wasn't. I wasn't like an academic nerd. I, I, I you know, I was always just like a computer nerd. Um, academically, I, I did fairly poorly, um, but I like no one ever had anything to say. I mean, maybe this is just an Ohio thing. Nobody had a thing to say about the books we were reading, even in class, let alone really? out of class. In class, it was just like everyone was just asleep and silent or stoned or I don't know. <laughs> So Gatsby is a terrible example. It's just the first book that came to mind because I've got this whole Gatsby thing that I'm working on. But the like in high school, we read Romeo and Juliet. Right. And I think everybody would have read to, that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. And I between not. between not chapters, but like between uh, scenes, we would stop and we would discuss the scene and go through it. And I failed freshman English three times. So I did this more than once going through the process. By the time I got to my fourth trip through freshman English, I knew Romeo and Juliet backward and forward. So you're really good at it now. Yeah, I could write a paper on it. I could probably pass freshman English. I'm not actually sure that I've read a single book I was supposed to read in, in middle school or high school. Because what I, what I found was that in almost every case, the teachers would have a discussion about what happened in the book segment we were supposed to read before any kind of quiz or test about it. Hmm. And so I would just pick up 
from that, you know, roughly what the gist of what happened was, <laughs> and then be able to do okay enough on the quizzes and tests that I got through it. <laughs> Watch the movie. No, I wouldn't even do that. I would, I would no? literally just like, I would do nothing and just kind of bullshit my way through it in, in the classroom when I, you know, if like if they would call on me, I would answer, you know, in the typical bullshit way that, because I mean, high school and middle school English is such a joke most of the time. The way it's taught is usually pretty, pretty rough. Hey, for some and, people, uh, it's really hard. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not saying it's not easy. I'm saying it's very bullshittable. <laughs> Agreed. And it's funny. I look back and the idea when I was in high school and middle school, the idea of, wait, I have to read this whole book and then like talk about it scared me. That seems so intimidating. But now it's, wait, all I have to do is read a book and I get to talk about it? <laughs> that's that's like the easiest thing in the world to do. Or watch a movie and then talk yeah, about or it. Or watch a movie. And so the reason the uh, Great Gatsby came to mind was the first one to come to mind is uh, I had only just recently, like last summer before the movie came out read the great gatsby mm-hmm. i feel like i've been missing out i would say that that is now my favorite book really yeah interesting and i've finally realized why do tell it's fight club <laughs> i never well, thought I mean, about it that way it's it's the other way around but yeah the fight club is just a retelling of the great gatsby very interesting once that clicked in my head i like i had to go back and reread both rewatch the movies and start like mapping things together dana i feel like i'm gonna have to do the same thing yeah i got i'm I'm super excited about great gatsby right now because of this whole oh my god it's just fight club and i'm trying to find clues on the internet to help work out my my theory see i know about you know one and a half things about the great gatsby but now i'm doing that exact same thing that i did in school where i'm just listening to what you're saying about it <laughs> and now if you if you were to ask me a question i would probably be able to piece together something close enough that would sound like not that i not that i read it attentively but that i at least did the assignment and just kind of was not a very good reader right right well i or that, like suggest... i missed i missed a theme or something did you did you, you you've watched fight club right yeah of course did, did you read the book uh no nope for this assignment, I don't think you need to read the book, but I do think you need to read The Great Gatsby. Yeah, it's not going to happen. The movie itself. Oh, it's like 12 pages long. No, it's definitely not going to happen. It's a pamphlet. <laughs> Have you seen the movie? Do you, do you know anything about All I know is that people, people compared elements of, of our wedding to The Great Gatsby uh, house or estate or something, because we had like a bunch of like lawn game set up all over the place and a bunch of different <laughs> stuff to do and so people people said it was kind of great, great gatsby like mm. uh, so the, so i know the great gatsby has something to do with something like that okay but uh yeah it's not gonna happen though well you should you should <laughs> w- at least watch the movie that's probably not gonna happen either yeah. <laughs> which movie though dave the old like a uh, the old one or the new one i'd say both interesting the new one i really liked but the I just watched the old one on my flight back from Ireland a few days ago. I'd never seen it before. But the old one, the Robert Redford Gatsby, is very close to the book. Mm-hmm. Where whereas the new one, the Baz Luhrmann version, feels like a companion to the book. Like it is, it is all of the spectacle that you can't see. It's all the visuals that you can't see in the book. But you, you gotta gotta like pair them together to get the whole view. This will be great cliff notes for your next conversation, Marco. If if anybody ever brings it up, you'll have a great synopsis. Yeah, just repeat everything I'm saying, and you'll get through just fine. I'll just I'll just send a link to this podcast. Like here, this is a discussion about the Great Gatsby, <laughs> and I was I was, I was in it. it. Yeah, I mean, I, I was here. <laughs> All right. So, what do you read? Do you read novels? Do you? No, no, no. Just tech manuals. Not even that. I, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I read like documentation on my computer when I have to. Wait, you you can read, right? 
Yeah, I, can, I mean, I made a reading app. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. I, it surprises me. I, I would have assumed that you were uh, like a, a, an avid reader. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> I, I've never been an avid book reader. I, and I, I was – when I do read books, I prefer either nonfiction or books that are written like nonfiction and, and are almost plausibly nonfiction. Like Michael Crichton I always liked growing up yes. um, because his books are kind of nonfiction style. Like you know, Jurassic like Park? Yeah, I mean, I didn't like that one as much, but like I've read almost all of his other popular ones, and and I liked a lot of those, you know, stuff like that. But I I mostly just read like magazine articles, and and then when the internet happened, I read stuff on the internet, like blog posts and, and articles on online publications, and so that's why I made Instapaper was, and that's that's why Instapaper was uh, useless for the most part for ebook reading mm-hmm. because I I'm not sure I ever loaded a single ebook into it to even test it. That's interesting. It is. It's fascinating. I, I think this is great. It's what a great about you, topic. Jamie? Are you a reader? You know, I go through cycles of way. Like I, I do like to read, but I'm on and off about it. I went through a big, a big spell when I used to teach at the university. It was all, you know, what, Whoa, what can fancy. I, when I, when I, you know, what am I going to put Newberry. into my curriculum? Um, so it was all about that. You know, everything I read was, you know, can I use this for, should I use it? Can I put it on my recommended book list for students and, and stuff like that? And then I, I went through a thing where I was, I just wanted to read books for me. And, um, and then I had kids and finding time to read, it became hard. It, came, it became like the lowest priority. And I'm, I'm finding time to read again now. So I'm, I don't know. I've been reading a little bit more, but yeah, it's usually not, um, I guess nonfiction sorts of things. Like I'm reading a Susie Orman book. I'm reading a Dolly Parton book. <laughs> nice. I love her. And um, yeah, who doesn't? who doesn't love Dolly, right? But anyway, so yeah, I'm reading a couple things now. But yeah, I don't know. I, I do enjoy reading. I just don't do it very often, as often as I'd probably like to. See, I, I can th- even watch movies anymore. Like even even sitting down for a movie, I think. I think Netflix TV series have ruined my ability to even <laughs> to even hold, to like commit to uh, a two hour uh, uninterrupted streak. Even though I will happily watch two hours of TV episodes back to back. Yeah, but like I, like to commit to a whole movie uh, that like I just I won't do it. I'm I mean, laughing because I know exactly what you mean. I've never thought of this before, but I have the exact same problem. But I, I think movies are the new long reads. <laughs> well, I will I will rewatch you know, 14 episodes of community in a row rather than watch a 90 minute movie that I haven't seen. What? And I, I don't know why. What shows are you guys watching on Netflix? I mean, you just mentioned uh, community. Yeah. But yeah. What are you? Actually, this is another thing I'm actually, so after the whole breaking bad thing, um, I'm kind of burnt out on drama in general. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. breaking bad was good, but it was so heavy and, and so like such a downer for most of it. And so dense. It's like it's it like a really like, big, filling, rich meal. Yeah, it, it just it kind of just burnt me out, and so I I have no in, and and also you know we like for a while the sitcom was a thing and was very popular and and the, towards the towards the middle and end of the sitcom reign like the late nineties early two thousands. Uh, it was it was starting to be really played out, and like every sitcom was just kind of like you, like you could see formula. the formula as yes. as it's happening. Like you could just yep. see them, like okay, now this is going to happen. And you knew everything that was going to happen. You knew all the tricks they would use, and then reality shows kind of hit, and then and then like the big drama came in, and now I think we've reached that point with the big dramas where like I can I can just kind of see through all the drama tricks, and there's 
it, for the most part, I know like I know they're just going to string me along here and try to get me interested for another twenty seven episodes. But I don't care about this guy. I don't care about that. I know that's going to happen. I know that person's going to sleep with that person, or that person's going to die. <laughs> like that person's going to run away. This person, like it, you, you just know everything's going to happen already because this formula is being played out a little too much. Right. And outside of the HBO Showtime spectrum, like when you're just in basic cable or network TV, it it's like this whole three act thing, and you can. You can set your watch by when the screen goes black. You just know there's going to be this beat and then cut to commercial because everything is built around the commercials. And speaking of, I'd like to talk about our first sponsor. That's a nice transition. (laughs) So our first sponsor today is App Figures. If you don't know, if you don't know, you should. If you make apps, you should know about this. App Figures is, how would I even describe it? It It's it's a website. That's a good start. (laughs) it, It it uh it tracks your your iTunes Connect um reports uh to show you how many people have bought your app on a given day or over a period of time and it shows you how much money you're making how many uh new downloads versus updates it shows you when people have returned your app it shows you when people redeem promo codes it's this is this is not me saying this because we're getting paid to this is the absolute literal truth the first thing i do when i wake up in the morning is i read the app figures email yeah, and, that, and that's one of the nicest things about it is that daily email. Just every day yeah. you just get an email, and, and they even the way they format it, and this I don't know if this is intentional, probably not, honestly, but the way they format it, you can if you just have like the three-line preview on your phone, mm-hmm. you don't even have to open it. Yep. You can just look at the three-line preview and get all the information you need right there. It's perfect. It's perfect. So here's, here's what they say. Uh, what is App Figures? A beautiful app tracking platform for app developers and publishers. We automatically grab and visualize everything that matters by combining sales and download numbers, worldwide reviews and ranks, and other juicy data into powerful, easy to understand reports. That's that. That's the long way of saying it shows you everything you need to know about people buying your app. It's I mean, incredible. you can even make it shorter than that. It tells you all the stuff in iTunes Connect and doesn't suck, right? Because right. iTunes it's, Connect is horrible and App Figures is great. <laughs> But it even goes one step further because it'll show you ranking. Yeah, that, and, that, and you can even see ranks for other people's apps. Yeah, so you, like, you can track. Like, you I'll, I do uh, competitive research, and I'll say like, like when I was when I was thinking about making a podcast app, I I went on I went to my app figures account. I'm like, all right, well, let me see, let me see all the, all the podcast apps in the store, the ones I know about, the ones I don't. Let me track their ranks over time, and you can you can kind of take a guess as to what they're making, or at least you can kind of tell what's popular and what's not. And uh, it's really nice, actually. And you can even see like. Oh, one day this one got a big review, then or you got a big review on your app. You can go see what that did to the rank and and yeah. how much that mattered, or or being featured by Apple. You can very clearly see those usually. Yeah, uh, it's great. Yeah, it was fun to watch our uh, you know sales spikes and stuff right after the whole uh, App Santa promotion. <laughs> nice. Because you know numbers start going up, and you can see we're getting these reviews from these people, and you can see because we you know we reduce the price on the app for the part of the promotion, so you can see the impact that has on sales, but also the impact that has on the reviews you get. Because it turns out things that are really cheap, people don't always leave nice reviews. Are you kidding? On the app store, there's I know, negative I know, reviews. I know. So app figures, it's uh, appfigures.com slash unprofessional. That's how you can let them know that we sent you. Uh, you can get it's a 14 day free trial, no credit card required. To track up to five apps with the starter features is nothing. It costs you $0 per month, which is pretty awesome. For premium features, it's only $15 a month, which that's, that's insane. It's only $15 a month, and it's, it's by far the best $15 you'll spend every month. That gets you all of the starter features, plus you get email reports, hourly ranks, aggregated reviews, automatic sync, sub-user access, uh, featured reports, and uh, public app data. 
So appfigures.com slash unprofessional. If you make apps and you put them on the app store, you're doing yourself an incredible disservice if you aren't already using it. Yeah, and even if you only have one app on the store, it's still incredibly useful, even just for that. I mean, that's how yeah. I've used it most of the time. And, and uh, it's, yeah, I've been using it for years, first with Instapaper, then with the magazine and Instapaper, then now with Bugshot, which is doing terribly. <laughs> but I can see every day how terribly it's doing. And, so at least uh, you know. There's no yeah. question. That's I, awesome. I actually, yeah. I, I actually made it free uh, right before the Christmas shutdown and yeah. just didn't say anything. It's really just an experiment to see, like, how many downloads a free app gets with no promotion. That's interesting. And, uh, it seems to. It, I got a huge spike the first few days because all the sites that track price changes said, "Hey, this is free!" Oh my god! But I didn't mention it on my site. I didn't like nobody prominent that I saw right. noticed. It was just like the big aggregators that that crawl everything, and uh, so I got like eight thousand, seven thousand downloads a day for a few days, and then it dropped, and now it kind of settled to like fifty downloads a day, uh, which is way more than the like zero to four purchases it was getting at 99 cents before this well i gotta tell you it's it's obvious the only reason anybody would pay attention to your app is because you're popular <laughs> yes clearly it's because you know me and you and gruber can we we can release anything and people right. will buy it, right we don't have to do any work there's no price pressure in the app store sure yeah i mean if you're if you're a popular blogger then just instantly anything you do turns to gold Instantly, like I, I can make I can make it. one to three dollars a day um, <laughs> with this with this app. You know what drives me nuts about this? And I don't want to harp on this for too long because this is work talk. But what what drives me nuts about that line of thinking is, well, yeah, of course it helps. Like you go to see a Steven Spielberg movie because Steven Spielberg made it. He's made things that you liked in the past, so you're going to go because you trust that he's going to make another thing you like. Yeah, it, it helps. It helps the initial. Right. It's, it, helps it's your, it helps you give – if you're, if you're a popular person on the internet and you launch a new app or anything really, but you know, in, the, in the case of apps, that's what I know about, it, uh, popular people can get themselves a strong launch based on their popularity. But sure. it drops off really quickly. I mean within, within weeks, it will drop down to like a pretty low level. But it's disingenuous uh, to say that it's it's just because you're popular because it ignores how you became popular, which was making things that people liked. Oh, yeah. I mean, people give me so much shit about that all the time. Whenever I say anything <laughs> about app development, like, well, that's fine for you, you know, but it's like, like, you had to earn you had to start why, somewhere. Exactly. The reason why any of these people follow me or know who I am is because I first made Instapaper and people liked it. That's right. You didn't wake why. up one day and like inherit Instapaper from a rich uncle or something. No, you I don't to have any it. rich uncles. <laughs> <laughs> you had to earn your way there. Exactly. All right, so we should we should go back to talking about this TV thing. TV yes. shows. Do you guys have? Yeah, I was I was still curious if there are any that you're actually watching. You mentioned the Breaking Bad, but so yeah. I, I agree with Marco on the on the issue of too much drama. And I tried. I just tried watching Walking Dead finally because it's in its I think third season now, or about to go into its fourth season. Uh, and my rule is I won't watch a show until it's got three seasons. Because then at least if it gets canceled, I've got that much to watch. So I tried walking, uh, watching Walking Dead, and I just can't get into it. I don't think it's that good. Tiff watches it. I, I, I've seen it here and there, like, but mostly I, I, I mostly just like I'll come in for like a half hour here and there while she's watching it, but, but not really. Like I haven't seen every episode, but I just, I just don't think. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't grab me. And maybe that's because of this whole drama burnout thing I'm feeling. But yeah, I think you're right on that because I, I, I watch it and it's just so heavy. Yeah, and like. You know, we back back when when we were moving from sitcoms into drama, all this heaviness was really new. 
and, and it was really it was novel and it was shocking. You know, we've had periods like this throughout history with media where, like, once you can do things that are more shocking or more extreme or more dramatic or more violent, uh, for a while, it's like it's an obsession because right. we haven't seen that before or we haven't seen enough of it or haven't seen it in this context or done this well before. And now we've had all these wonderful HBO and Showtime dramas and everything, and now it's so incredibly commonplace to see – a drama that's shot kind of cinematically that has a bunch of violence or death or sex or God knows what, or heads all falling off. Or, yeah. I mean, <laughs> has all this stuff going on and it, we've just, we've seen the same show so many times. Like what else, what else could we do? And, and I think, I think the drama production engine, whatever that, you know, the, the drama production um, era that's going on now has not reached the point where it has noticed, Oh, this is getting kind of stale. And I so think, we have a few more years, I think, of the same kind of stale crap being produced until people start trying new things and finding whatever is going to be the next trend. Yeah, I think I think maybe stale is unfair. I think that it's just because I don't think because stale implies that it's it's bad in some way. The only way I'd say that these shows, at least the ones that I like, are bad is that they're just really heavy. Even one of my favorite shows, Mad Men. When the season starts, I'm excited that it started, but to get myself to watch that first episode. That takes some work. I've got to mentally and emotionally prepare myself for, okay, I'm getting into Mad Men. <laughs> yeah, it's usually. not like <laughs> a new episode of Community comes on, I can just hit play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, when Top Chef comes out every week, we watch it, like, that day. <laughs> and then, yeah, Mad Men, we will, I will, I will, we will often wait on Mad Men for, like, five or six weeks into the season before we even start the season. Right, because once you watch the first one, you can, you can binge watch because right. you're already kind of in that zone. And, and we love Mad Men. Like Mad Men is one, is is still one of our favorite series as a couple. You'd have um, to be a monster not to love Mad Men. I think one of the reasons why we're able to still like it and why it it kind of gets past my drama fatigue is that you get so few episodes of it. Like it, it's so yeah. spaced out, and like, there's these giant gaps. And there was that that one big like almost two year gap right between two of yeah, the seasons yeah, or the yeah. renegotiations and stuff. So there's that one big gap, and then even when even when it's like quote on schedule, you still get like you know. A few episodes for a few weeks, and then like, okay, next episode comes out in a year, you know. And so I, I think that kind of helps. And maybe, maybe one of the problems with drama fatigue, one of the causes of this, maybe is Netflix. That now you can you can get so much of it. You you know you don't have to. Like we didn't watch Breaking Bad until you know following your rule, almost three seasons in, I think. And yeah, I did the same. And so maybe maybe that kind of watching where you. You don't watch the shows as they air. You you wait for a long time, and then you catch up, and then you can burn through a whole bunch of them. Maybe that's contributing to this. Well, I do the thing where I'll binge watch, but kind of like um, if you're playing certain types of video games. Like I remember back in the day playing Tony Hawk 3. Yeah, I'd sit down and I'd play Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 for hours and hours and hours. And then I'd get up and I'd leave the house, and everything I saw looked like something I should skate on. <laughs> yep. And I have the same problem with with tv drama where i come away from watching you know an eight-hour block of house of cards or something and it's not like i'm going to go out and become a politician but like i get myself into this mindset of this is now how i, I would see love the world. to see that <laughs> please try that sometime just uh, running just run for like mayor of some small town somewhere just see, just try. i would love that well i i just missed the the whole mayoral election here in new york or i could have done that hey i hear toronto's looking for somebody ha yeah i don't even smoke cracks so i, I mean you can't up. be worse right <laughs> 
But I get myself into this mindset. This is now how I see the world. I see the world through the lens of House of Cards, or I see the world through the lens of Mad Men or whatever. And it takes, I don't know, a few hours or sometimes even a few days to get myself reset back to who I actually am as a person. Yeah, it's, it doesn't seem worth it. It's just, it's so emotionally taxing. But in most cases, I do think it's worth it. I just think that when you go through hours and hours and hours of it, and there's no, there's no break. And, and I would say that the trouble now is with things like the show like Walking Dead, what's getting to me as I'm talking about it, as I'm thinking about it now, maybe what's getting to me is that it tries so hard to pace itself to always have you in a feeling of suspense. <laughs> right. It's, it's trying to stretch itself out to, you know, any number of seasons that it's renewed for, right. or, you know, we'll do, I don't, I mean, maybe that's not true for them. I, I don't, I'm not that familiar with it, but so many of these shows clearly are written for like, let's open as many doors as possible. Let's start as many like long running secrets or mysteries as possible. Like, you know, like the lost model. Like I was just going to say lost. Like <laughs> every, every show now is like lost season three. Yeah. Where like, yeah. All of a sudden, they realize they're successful. They realize, hey, we can get a bunch more good years out of this. So they introduce a bunch of new characters, open up tons of new doors and secrets and long-running mysteries and all these things. And, I mean, Lost was so ridiculous. They never even had time to close all those doors and secrets and everything. But I, I, like, I feel like every drama now is doing that kind of thing. Just, all right, we have to have some kind of regular source of new characters trickle in so they can you know, have sex with everybody and die. And then, <laughs> Just like in real life. Yeah, right. It's very realistic. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how know, my life works anyway i don't know about you it, ha- it has to be like inf- and you know part of this is just the remnants of of or the, the structure of the tv production model where most shows up front are not you know suddenly booked for exactly 30 episodes you know they, they, you have to like yeah. do things incrementally and and you don't you know you never know for you know as your show is getting popular you don't really know how many episodes you will give or you, you will get right um but it's just you, like you, you can just you can see all the you can see all the tricks well, this is why I have so much respect for Breaking Bad, because they they did what they wanted to do and then stopped. There was no, well, we're going to drag it out for two more seasons. Yeah, I'm, I'm very picky with, with writing being bad on shows. Right. And Breaking Bad is one of the very few shows I've seen in recent memory where I have a really hard time pointing to any major flaws in the writing. There, there's a few minor ones sure. um, that, that I didn't appreciate, but... But, but they really, clearly told the story they wanted to tell. This wasn't Battlestar yeah. Galactica where they're like, okay, last episode, what the fuck are we supposed to do? Right. And like even, even shows that I like more overall, like The Wire uh, or Arrested Development. Like I like both of those more than Breaking Bad. Really, uh, they're the same show. But yeah, right. <laughs> and, and even those, I can, I can point and say like, okay, at this point, the writing took a nosedive. Or like, you know, The Wire season five, the whole, that whole main storyline with McNulty I thought was really weak. Um, and, and just, you know, out of character, weak, you know, boring, terrible. Um, Arrested Development, the, the original one, we'll, we'll just pretend like season four didn't exist. Uh, the original, the, not the remake. <laughs> the original. Right. The original Arrested Development, like season three of that started getting weak and stupid. And uh, most people, you know, they're like, oh, it was so good. The whole thing was good. No, it wasn't. You know, and The Sopranos, I couldn't take after season three. Um, Six Feet Under, I thought was weak after season four. Like all these shows that I liked. I can point to these things. Breaking Bad, though, I, I, I haven't rewatched it yet. So maybe, maybe that'll change upon rewatching. I'll be able to look at it a little more critically. But it seems I don't think I can point to a spot in Breaking Bad where I can say, you know, the writing really took a nosedive here. It felt pretty consistent to me. That's definitely something I pay attention to as well as the writing. But yeah, it, it did. It really did feel pretty consistent. What do you watch, Jamie? 
that I do. I did watch Breaking Bad. We um, we watched Survivor. In our house. I know <laughs> not it's not really a TV drama. Jamie. You know, is there writing for that one? There's no writing for that one. But you ask what well, I watch, so I'm answering the general right, question. Right. Um, that that's literally true. So let's see. I'm trying to think of what else I've watched recently that I actually like. I do watch Walking Dead. <laughs> it, it's kind of one that. Eh, like I can take it or leave it. The Walking Dead. Um, let's see. The Walking Dead to me is the drama equivalent of Big Bang Theory. See, and I I can't get into Big Bang Theory. I've, I tried, but um, yeah, there have been a few shows that I've tried. I do like like Parks and Recreation. That one's fun to me. Um, let's see what else. That's a good show. I think it's fun. I I love it. Um, Derek, did you guys watch Derek on Netflix? Yeah, I I wasn't that. It's the Ricky Gervais show, right? Yeah, like it was. Uh, I yeah. can't stand him. You know, it it was surprising though because I wasn't crazy about him with The Office, like the you know the British version. But I there was something really endearing about Derek, and I really liked it. I don't know. I, I really liked that one. He yeah, just got that I stupid smug look on his fucking face all the fucking time. <laughs> I hate that Remember like, when I we liked, were talking I about the being office. nicer? You like what? Yeah, right. What was that? <laughs> I, I liked him in the office, and I've hated everything he's done since then. Interesting. Um, I should like him. He's Derek outspoken and, atheist, dude. I should yeah. really like Ricky Gervais, but I just don't. Derek, I thought was decent, but it was it wasn't it wasn't great. And he, like the character he plays in it, he does such a terrible job of acting. <laughs> to, like Ricky Gervais can play himself just fine, which is pretty much what he did in the office. He does that just fine. He, he's he's a one he's a typecast you know typecast as himself uh but when with derek he's playing a a a pretty different kind of character and uh he just does it really badly i think well let let me ask because i don't know is it that normally he plays a stupid smarmy motherfucker and in derek he's playing somebody that's supposed to be likable yeah pretty much yeah Yeah. he he is playing he's playing a likable character and And uh, he, he's he's playing a character. There's something like kind of mentally off about him. Like I don't I don't I don't think he's officially like mentally challenged, or maybe he's right, just like he's developmentally just a... challenged. I don't know. But exactly. the, the character in it is like like a little bit off, a little bit challenged socially or developmentally something, and uh, a little bit like fidgety. And and I just think he does an awful job doing that. <laughs> See, I just I really did find him. I thought he was gonna, you know, he he was he was delicate with it like i thought he played it all right you know he didn't he didn't insult anyone i don't think he had some little twitches and stuff that he did and i don't know like i i just thought it was endearing and i think it's more about the stories that thread through each episode you know he works in a in like a senior care center um and there's some cute i don't know it's sweet it was a sweet show to me yeah i'd say that speaking of sweet this is the worst segue ever. <laughs> Which sucks, because the earlier one was so good. Our next sponsor is Sucralose. (laughs) Super sweet. (laughs) Our next sponsor is also pretty sweet. Our second sponsor today, this week, this, well, both, both are true, today and this week, uh, is Ool, a conference. That's, that's spelled U-L-L, but the U has a little accent thing over it. You don't really need to know that, except except for the fact that it's, I guess Ool, accent U-L-L, is the Gaelic word for apple. Correcto. Which sort of explain, I mean, it's an Apple-centric conference, and it's Irish, so these things, they all tie together. And correcto is the Esperanto word for correct. (laughs) (laughs) How did you know that? No fun accents on that one. It's almost as if he speaks Esperanto. Oh, yeah, I spent a junior year abroad in Esperantarianism. (laughs) It's a new localization for Overcast. (laughs) 
So, ooh, it's a conference. It's in Ireland. It's uh, April 28th through the 30th of this year. In It says Dublin, but it's really about an hour and a half south of Dublin. It's going to be uh, at this big sort of mansion-y, castle-y, hotel-y sort of thing. It kind of reminds I was just out there uh, this last week helping those guys get things set up and, and start starting to plan. I shouldn't say set up, but at least starting to plan how things are going to get laid out. And it is. it reminds me of the hotel from The Shining. Oh, wow. And it may have been that it was off season and the whole place was empty. I didn't, I mean, you'd occasionally see a couple of guests, but other than our small group, most of the people we saw were hotel staff. And in a remote location in a big mansion castle hotel, it's really unnerving to see something like that empty except for the staff, but unnerving in kind of a fun way. You guys, like this whole, you guys should have, you know, picked up some big wheels to ride through the halls. <laughs> well, we we can we can we can set that we can do a big wheel race. That would be uh, so awesome. Somewhere between April twenty eighth and April thirtieth of twenty fourteen. So, ooh, it's I it's well, it's a conference the way you would expect a conference to be. This year is going to be a little bit different. I can't talk too much about how different it's going to be, but I will say, you know, I, I'd love to say if you only go to one conference this year, make it. Ooh, well, I have to. That's agree. That's kind of a. It's kind of, but that's kind of like a bullshit. You know, of course, you're going to say that kind of thing. Here's what, here's what I'd say. If you're ever if you're only going to go to one conference ever again in your life, it should be <laughs> this thing is going to be amazing. I mean this sincerely. It is going to be amazing. I, I have to agree. You know, I don't know all the details of what's being planned for this year, but I went last year and I have to say it was such a thoughtfully curated conference. It was not like any other conference I have been to and I've been to a few and um, yeah, man, go make it, you know, make it your vacation and your work thing, whatever you have to right. do to go, go to that one. It's you, amazing. You got to make this happen. And last year, here's a, here's a taste of what you, the sort of thing that Ool does. Uh, last year, the first night, there was a panel. It was Jim Dalrymple's panel. I was on it, and there's a couple of other guys on it. Um, and the panel, the we it was the first night. We all come out on stage, and then Jim gets introduced, and he walks out from backstage with a guitar and starts playing. And everybody's ha ha, Jim, you know, plays guitar. And then the con- uh, conference staff runs out, and they take our stools away, and we turn around and grab our instruments. Surprise! No panel. It was just a rock show. We were all there. We'd went out a week ahead of time to rehearse and to practice up, and we just put on a rock show. Super awesome. So no panel, rock show. Like, that's the kind of thing that they do. They want to surprise you. They want to really, like, just jolt you up out of your seat. And the thing that shocked me about that is all through rehearsals, I kept saying, we need to get used to the fact that it's going to be a sea of nerds staring at their phones. That's what we're going to see from the stage. <laughs> because, you know, the, this is the kind of crowd, and they... They probably love it, but we just need to expect that we're going to get the the pale blue glow of iPhones and blank expressions. But before the first song was over, everybody was out of their chair and up at the front of the stage because that's just the kind of energy that the conference has. It can the kind of energy that brings nerds to their feet. I can't say enough good things about and that. Takes a lot of energy. It, it really does. <laughs> and and when I say nerds, I, I'm including myself in this. I probably would have sat there, but it's it's just that kind of conference, this kind of thing. They want to they want to just amaze you from beginning to end, and they do. And they it's do. They be, pull it off. It's going to be incredible. Yep. So uh, can't say enough how much you you've got to check this conference out. Uh, they've given us a special block of tickets because tickets the sales were closed. They've given us a, a released a special block for us. It's unprofesh dot ull dot ie i'll have to post that on the site yeah unprofessionally unprofessionally (laughs) yeah 
Uh, I don't know how many. What there, language there... is that, Marco? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. I don't know exactly how many tickets they've released for us, but uh, get them uh, while they're hot. There. Yeah, you really want to. Uh, when I was, I was just in uh, Poland for another conference thing, and I was talking to people afterwards about Ool. And they kept saying things like, oh, yeah, I've been thinking about going to that. And it's like, well, you, you better you better get on this because tickets are kind of sold out. Yep. And they've Go been releasing fast. tickets in small blocks and they're doing a block just for us. Uh, don't know how many more blocks there's going to be. So get on yeah, it. Devin, yeah, get get on it. Can't recommend it strongly enough. Times two plus one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fused multiply ad. Yeah, that's a that's a weak joke. All right. <laughs> all the better all the better yeah that was rough and we're back dun, dun, dun. from that ad read now i'm just pretending that we did the ad read separately right i don't know we'll if that's this in anymore. later <laughs> right right make it sound as if we didn't do that live whenever i listen to your show i always try to guess which which happened you know because like, some guests are really important and and you like i guess not want to waste their time <laughs> all and our so guests you'll, you'll are do important. all the ads you'll do all the ads like afterwards <laughs> and then you come then you get to people like me and like oh we'll, we'll get you the ad so it okay to to be completely honest here it was me pushing back because lex always wanted to do them in line and i never wanted to waste the guest time because the guest isn't getting paid for this right and so Wait, for what? a long time we always <laughs> surprise yeah, <laughs> bad news marco it uh it, it was always that i don't know i just i didn't want to waste the guest's time i didn't want to that was me that was my rule and then we did one or two where i gave in and we did them in line and it turned out i really liked doing that and turns out the guest doesn't mind and usually likes joining in on the conversation for that so now we just do them in line so there's no importance split it was just a before we didn't now we do i would have loved to hear jesse ventura comment on like squarespace that would have been that so would have awesome. been great you know, you always say that, or maybe it was Lex. One of you always said that that you that you thought that episode was was weak or bad or something. I liked it a lot because Jesse Ventura is hilarious because he he's like eighty percent totally on point. <laughs> it's the other twenty yeah, percent, but like that and you. the part that he's on point about, he's really on point about. So he's really interesting and thought provoking to listen to. And then that extra twenty percent provides a lot of entertainment value. So I think it was a great show. Yeah, it's like getting a, a really interesting lecture from a very well-known, well-respected scientist who's also, like, eating a squirrel while he's talking. <laughs> it's like, you're, you're trying so hard, like, this is good stuff, but exactly. you're clearly crazy. I don't know, I don't know how to handle this. Right, he's naked in front of you. <laughs> like, I'm trying to pay attention to what you're saying, but this is just awkward. I can't Jesse, look and I can't ninja. look away. Right. Right. Uh, no, I I think Lex and I both enjoyed that episode. The problem was that listeners, at least according to iTunes reviews, did not. Interesting. You read those? Oh yeah, yeah, dude. Hey, listen, we've, I am, we've got I'm a professional podcaster, and I'm telling you, don't read those. <laughs> Just rely on app figures. Nothing else. We've we've only well, this was like five stars. They love the show, but they're concerned, like that kind of thing. <laughs> We've gotten, I think, two bad written reviews ever for, for this show on iTunes. Uh, and one was uh, complaining about, the, I think, the the direction the show. I think it might have been the Jesse Ventura thing. The other one was somebody complaining about us swearing too much. Oh, no. The other one was uh, they were complaining about how we kept going off topic, which I think is hilarious. That That's is unprofessional. That's very unprofessional because, of you. Because off of what topic? Right. I wish I could reply and say, tell me, I'm genuinely curious. What do you think the topic is that we're veering <laughs> off of? I mean, you, you could argue that we start in one place and we sort of meander. 
there's no thing that this is not a conversation on rails. We just end up wherever we end up. But, uh, that to me, that's the point. <laughs> it's, this is the conversation that the three of us would have if we were sitting down at like the W during uh dub dub or something, drinking a beer. Right. Well, you know, with, with podcast, you know, podcasts are a very different kind of medium than most of the things on the web. You know, most, most, new media in quotes big air quotes uh is all about like getting this this flood of hits and things going viral whatever that means and all this you know just getting tons of of like drive-by hit traffic (laughs) and podcasts don't work that way podcasts are based on loyalty and getting people like subscribed who are going to listen to every episode so there's like there's your core audience of people who you should cater to and that's that's what the advertisers pay for that's what people tune in for that's like that core audience is is the the backbone of the show, and then there's the people who will listen to one episode and complain about it. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, you have to prioritize what you do and the way you do things to please that core audience because they're the ones who matter a lot more. And if a few people come by and try one episode and don't like it, don't worry too much about catering to them because that's not the business you're in. Fine point. Yeah, exactly. It's. We, I, I'm sure you have this on ATP too. By the way, Accidental Tech Podcast. You should check it out if you don't. Who who listens to this show and doesn't listen to Accidental <laughs> Tech Podcast? Who am I even talking to? But I'm sure you have this on ATP where the people who listen to the show are like kind of hardcore about it. Oh yeah, I mean, like one of the Though, things we were we were we had to figure out over time uh, that we only recently did figure out is that. We were, you know, we were always concerned. Let's keep the show short because nobody likes podcasts that are too long, right? Yes, yeah, so you you know by listening, you know how ridiculous that is. But but we were we were honestly trying. Like our original goal, we knew like you know I think the ideal podcast length for most shows is probably about forty five minutes. Um, but what I quickly found out, I mean, I I knew going in like if you put me and Syracuse together on a show, there's no way we're hitting forty five minutes. There's right. no, we're definitely going over an hour, but. We were first trying to keep it like keep it around an hour to an hour ten, say, and we started just going longer. And I would have to heavily edit or cut out whole segments. And our listeners were like, "Why don't you? Why don't you just make the show longer? We like that." Because I was thinking of our show as general appeal and the rules I would apply to general podcasts. But really, what our listeners wanted was longer shows because people who like us. And who like the kind of shows that, you know, like my old show, John's old show, and I guess some people, some people listen for Casey now. Um, <laughs> they, hey, hey, to be fair to Casey, he's the only guest we've ever gotten by request through an iTunes review. That's wow, fantastic. nice. But, like, you know, we, we realized that our audience of the people who, not the people who we, we thought we wished we had, but the people we actually had listening to the show, they were fine with shows that were an hour and 45 minutes long. Because... The length matters. Le- you know, these are people who already listen to lots of podcasts. There's, there's always going to be people who are going to say, like, oh, I, I don't have time to listen to your two-hour show every week. Fine, then don't listen. There's lots. <laughs> I don't have time to watch anything on TV. I don't care. Like, I don't complain to them saying you should make Top Chef shorter. No, like, you know. You know I, <laughs> For I, me. You know, yes. Yeah, exactly. It's like the people who listen to our show listen to podcasts enough that, it, that two hours a week is not a big deal to them. They like our show enough that they're willing to give it two hours a week. Not everybody, but enough of them. And th- like when we cut it off earlier than that, they really want more, and they're kind of frustrated there isn't more. And so if we have more to say, and if, if we naturally create conversations that normally go to an hour and a half or just or a little, little longer than that, uh, then we shouldn't cut those off. 
You know, and that, like the, the typical wisdom that you get for a podcast should never be longer than X. You got to really decide that for your audience. Right. Maybe we should, as an experiment, do maybe not this episode, but we should do an episode that is ridiculously long just to see how people react. <laughs> <laughs> there have been there have been guests where we've ran long. We've we're, we've gotten things down pretty tight now, and we've gotten comments. I won't say from whom, but we've gotten comments from guests before they've recorded about um, how much tightening we must do on the show, like tightening things up. But the truth is, what we record is pretty much what you hear, other than the occasional awkward pause. Um, I'm not trimming that much anymore. Like I'll cut out like a, the occasional, um, or something like that, but it's not as if there's a ton of doctoring that goes into it. There was in the beginning, but just naturally we've sort of found a pace, which is great. Uh, but there've been guests where we, we hit stop and then we keep talking for half an hour or 45 minutes. It, It could just be that we keep going. I mean, there's no hard and fast rule i guess there's the sort of general rule that we always try to hit 45 minutes but nothing saying we couldn't do a long episode just to see what happens it would be cool to experiment both ways do like maybe a a shorter one a more condensed one and do a long one and just see what feedback says are we brainstorming out loud here a b testing (laughs) exactly see we're totally stepping all over the rule you have about not talking about work but there's no uh, rule no (laughs) see i don't even like, I, you can't have me on the show and follow that rule because I, I basically make everything I do into a form of work. Like, which is cool. Which, yeah, like, like anything I like, I'll write about on my site. Then it, then, is that work? My well, site makes money. With, like, with you, though, I, the rule, as far as Marco Armenta is concerned, is we're not going to sit around talking about the new Mac Pro. Right, well, because I've already talked about that for seven hours on my show. <laughs> right, I don't but even I mean, have stuff, it yet. Stuff like that. That's the kind of thing that we wouldn't like. I exactly because people can listen to your show and get that. What what we're hoping to get is the conversation that maybe people wouldn't normally get out of you. Right, exactly yeah. because you know it, when you when you give somebody a place where they can talk in a different context than what they usually are. Like you know if if John Gruber wants to suddenly start you know a blog about light bulbs, he he can't really do that on Derek Fireball. <laughs> it's not really about light bulbs. You know, that's that he's created this context for himself that's that's you know kind of solidified over time into the, into this one kind of thing, and it's it's kind of the wrong place for that. So if he wants to talk about light bulbs, he has to do it somewhere else. But you know, and, if he did, then the entire internet would suddenly get really snobby about light bulbs. Oh yeah, well, and well, they they <laughs> would accuse him of of being like a religious cultist who only likes Philips bulbs because of the <laughs> because of their marketing. Right. And so what's going to happen is suddenly everybody's really snobby about light bulbs and very opinionated about which light bulbs and how and what kind. Right. But if you talk to anybody, they're like, oh, yeah, I think I think John, I've got my opinions on light bulbs, but I think he's too opinionated. And he's <laughs> I just I can't read his stuff anymore. I like GE because they're open. I, <laughs> I can't tell you how many people tell me that they don't read Daring Fireball. And it's not like I'm going around polling people either. It's just it's weird. Like people come up to me like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't really read Daring Fireball. Is that like the new I don't have a TV? I'm sure it is. I think that for our community, not reading Daring Fireball is the not having a TV. Or, you know, I used to like John's writing, but he just doesn't something as much anymore. Well, you know, That's I'm, hilarious. You realize, like, I'm not his feedback system. <laughs> like, okay, right. thank you. Like, it, do, they, do they think that, like, since you have this app with John, then because, you know, because you're in business with him, then therefore right. you, you must represent him somehow? <laughs> Two separate companies, guys. <laughs> Pretty yeah. different, too. Yeah, yeah, I got I mean, I they both got use nice fonts, but... But if I did, boy, would I make some changes. Comments. We'd, we'd, st- <laughs> we'd start by talking more about light bulbs. I, I think 2014 <laughs> is going to be the year of internet comments. <laughs> oh, this God. is when they're finally going to take off. We're, we're going to start adding them back to everything. 
Uh, do you think we will ever reach a point in human history when comments can be enabled safely? No. God, no. Do you, do you think that, and I'm being completely serious here, do you think that, do you, or do you rather, do you not think that human beings will ever become civilized enough to have rational discourse on the internet anonymously? I, I don't think human beings can have rational discourse anonymously. Period. Anywhere. <laughs> um, it's it, it just, there's so many factors working against that, that, that make it, you know, it, some people can, but so much ugliness and viciousness will come out because they're anonymous that it, it's just not good and and the worst part about internet comments that this is again star wars prequels and internet comments we're, we're really timely <laughs> we're breaking ground and the, today. the tv shows we watch this is good so you know internet comments the biggest problem is that the the whole idea of here's here's this thing i've created he i've i've you know people are coming to my site or my company's site to, to read or watch the stuff we've made. And our stuff is professional. And our stuff, and we have this big audience who's going to be looking at it. And we care what you think. And we would like to put what you think immediately below our thing that we've built this audience over years to, you know, we've worked hard and people come here because we're, we're professionals in some way at this. And we've built this up. And we would like you, random stranger, we want to know what you think. So this creates an immense sense of entitlement in in readers and so you combine the the anonymity uh, am i saying that right is that even a word who knows yeah, you combine yeah. the anonymousness with <laughs> with you, this you immense right the first time yeah whatever with this immense sense of entitlement of what you think is important and part of this goes along with the whole like you know political correct 90s thing of like everyone's a special snowflake and all that crap um but there's just this immense sense of entitlement that that you, the random commenter, are entitled to have access to my audience. You are entitled for all the people who I've worked very hard to get to look at my stuff. You're entitled to a portion of their attention right next to my stuff because your opinion is equally valid. It's like the whole kind of like you know Fox News thing of like every every ridiculous opinion is equally valid, even though right most, they're just not. But <laughs> like it's it's that same kind of thing. Like in reality, no, every opinion isn't valid. No random strangers deserve inherently uh, access to anyone else's audience, and the whole the whole thing of that becoming uh, a commonplace thing to inflate page views creates and reinforces this massive sense of entitlement that that makes commenting culture so vicious and toxic to begin with. And I don't think it's just the anonymousitude of it. I think that it's also <laughs> it, look at Facebook your name is right there on it, but you go to a thread about politics and people using their real names will say some horribly ugly shit. Oh, it's yeah. not even the, the internet fuckwad theory. This is like people, your name is on this thing and you'll still call somebody a flaming fuckwad. Like it's, it's you, you can't get away from the fact that people, I don't think it's animosity or animosity. <laughs> now I'm saying it wrong. I don't think it's the anonymous what the fuck? What is, I lost track of the actual word. Anonymity. It's the animatronics. I, yes. I don't think it's the animatronics of the internet. <laughs> I really like it. It's when you animatronics. Come on. When you, you say it. a word, when you say a word so many times in a row, it's no longer a real word. Now it's been. I've said it wrong so many times. The right one won't come back into my head. No, definitely not. Anonymity. Anonymity. You got it. Anonymity. You got it's it. Fuck yeah. I, I, it's it's not just the anonymity. It's that. I think people, if, 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 you, if you abstract people from being able to make eye contact, if you abstract people from knowing each other, and it's just like 
a big chat room where we can see each other's names, but we know nothing about one another. That's that's close enough to anonymity. Yeah, I, I think the the anonymity makes it worse. Like it, the anonymity brings out more harshness in people. But you're right, though, that like people do just inherently have like you'll you'll get a lot of harshness and unreasonability from people, regardless of whether they're anonymous or not. You'll just get more of it if they're anonymous, and because uh, there's like less of a filter on people. But right, even even no people working at their normal level of filtering, like there's enough people out there who who don't care whether their real names attached to it and will say whatever they want anyway, or who believe their opinions are so worth seeing and so valid, even though like. You know, the only person who ever agreed with them, with them was, you know, some TV show they found. Like, I, I don't know. It, it, this is why I don't, I don't believe this problem will ever be solved, to answer your question a billion years ago. Because <laughs> it's just, it's human nature for there to be a, a small number of people who are saying, you know, reasonable, considered things. And then a whole lot of people who are not. <laughs> who are saying unreasonable, <laughs> unconsidered things. And anything you do to to combine feedback or commentary from people in general, people in quotes, like from everyone, uh, you're going to have a, a, a similar ratio to that as soon as as soon as the community gets big enough for the stats to start kicking in. Right. And you your comparison to the Fox evaluation of the world, where you can have somebody saying, "I believe in evolution," and then somebody else says, "I believe the planet is only six thousand years old." And you're like, "Well, those are both valid opinions." Right. I believe in flying pasta. Like it's everything. <laughs> like you have like the the whole idea of considering every opinion as equally valid and having to present all sides of every issue. It really distorts things pretty pretty severely, and uh, and again, it reinforces that entitlement of well. My opinion is valid and should be spread, and my opinion is is just as valid as everyone else's opinion. And even though you know, like my opinion is more valid than science. Like, well, science right. so is a pretty good opinion usually. <laughs> so there's there's two things at play there. I think one is that uh, we've been sort of nudged, and I won't say conditioned, but maybe a little bit conditioned, nudged in the direction of treating every opinion as if it's valid, treating all things as if they're equal, all people right. are equal, all ideas, all thoughts are equal, which is a fallacy. And the second part of this is that every layer of abstraction between you and another person, I think, strips away a layer of empathy. And if we, if we don't have empathy, we can't have rational discourse. We can't have uh, nuanced, thoughtful conversations about anything. Yeah, exactly. That's a big problem, too. Because when, you, when you're just some username on a site... Or, you know, like, you know, you can't, it's, it's like, you know, I mean, this is part of anonymity, but it's also just the disconnection, you know, how people will be assholes in their cars to other people because they can't really see them and they think they're in there's this bubble that protects them from everything. Uh, so, same, yeah, you're right, same thing online. You, you have the, all these different, like, walls between you and, and the other people who are using the internet at the same time as you uh, that you don't see this username as a person who, like, you know, a person who... Maybe had a bad day at work, and their kid's screaming at them, and they're about to lose their house, you know, and they say one wrong thing, and you jump down their throat. Like, it's—you don't have any context for what, people's, what people are and what their situations are uh, right. online. I'm, I'm still giggling about uh, anonymity. Anonymity. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, all valid points, guys. All valid points. What's the show about? M and M's. That's perfect. What a shock! You had me on, and we're over on time. <laughs> <laughs>
not not by that much. I mean, we should we should be coming up under an hour, especially if I if I trim uh, all of my babbling right before the sponsor breaks. What, what was, was that? Yeah, what was that? I don't know. I don't think that was, was that me. like a like a a bangle earring. <laughs> oh, the, the jingle sound. Yeah, what was that was Pixel jumping onto the couch. Oh. oh. Is Pixel wearing earrings? <laughs> no, her, her collar. She's got her tags. Is she, did you make her a jingle dog? Well, no. She's just got two tags. She's oh, got that her, wasn't like bells. It was literally just like the, the rabies tag and the name tag hitting each other. Uh, well, her name tag and her service tag. What? You got to explain well, she's that. A, she's under warranty. <laughs> oh, okay. Her service tag. But her, she's her geek a, squad. She's, uh, a, she's, a, she's registered as a service animal. Oh, no. Please. What? Oh, God. <laughs> You're one of those. Is this like a fake thing so you could bring your dog into restaurants? Not exactly. It's more so I could bring my dog onto planes. <sighs> All right. I got planes I'll tolerate. <laughs> I got to go. Which, nope. came, <laughs> ca- which, which came in handy because she just flew here today from Denver. Alone? No, no. My mom brought her. Oh. <laughs> It'd be pretty awesome if you could like <laughs> send, your dog, send your dog. <laughs> so the cab drops her off and she knows what to do from there. Yeah, right. <laughs> finds her way home. Or a new place Walks in New to the York. Delta Terminal. Yeah. She, she knows which gate to go to. Hails a, ca- hails a cab. <laughs> you have any idea how hard it is for a dog to hail a cab? Don't, don't take the Prius cabs. They're too slow. Move on. <laughs> Wave them on. Uh, yeah, so they, they just flew in today. I had to go to the airport, pick up my mom and my dog. Very nice. Very get nice. Get the dog to my apartment. So this is a whole, uh, yeah, this is my first day with my dog in New York. How, so cool. where, where is your apartment? Is, I know it's in Manhattan, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm on the Lower East Side. So Suffolk and Delancey, right off the Williamsburg Bridge. Oh, you're in those areas that don't have like real names or numbers, so I have no idea where it is. <laughs> real names or numbers. Lower East Side. Yeah, but like the, like the streets don't have actual like useful street names. They're just like random crap, so I don't know anything about it. Delancey? You don't know Delancey? I've heard of Delancey. I don't know where it is. I mean, I guess I guess it's on the Lower East Side. Do you know? Uh, do you know where Katz's Deli is? No. Oh, Houston Street. Yeah, that I know. So three blocks south of Houston Street. Okay, that makes sense. So east ish. So all right, I got it. I'll send you a map. We have. You're over I was going to say we have these really cool things um, called <laughs> iPhones that if you put the address in, it will show you exactly. I'm just being a smart-ass guy, sorry. Yeah, but that, that started sucking last year. <laughs> well, there's still Google Maps. Yeah, but then you have to use Google's creepy crap. I don't, I don't use that. I use it for transit directions. I just stopped using maps on my phone. Where are you, Marco? You're, like, upstate somewhere, right? You're in, like, Maine? <laughs> yes. I am the very first county north that's not part of New York City, and I'm therefore upstate. Well, I know who's watching my dog the next time I travel. Yeah, maybe. I, we, we, do love, we do love dogs. We love our dog, at least. Hopefully your dog's not an asshole. Then, then we'll take her. Oh, no. My dog is awesome. Objectively awesome. This isn't like my opinion. She is objectively awesome. See, I think my dog's awesome, too, but you never really know. Because, like, you know, you, you see how other people think about their own pets and children as being so much, per- so much more perfect <laughs> than what they really are. And so you never really know. Like, if you think yours are pretty good, you, you know, it's, there's always that little doubt. Like, well, You're maybe biased. this is just me. Yep. I don't have that doubt. <laughs> I would like if, if I had a kid. If I had a kid, I'd be like, my kid's probably an asshole. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think other people like my kid nearly as much as I like my kid. But my dog, other people, I think like my dog maybe even more than I do. See, other people love my dog. At least they say that's what they say. 
But again, like you can never really tell. It's just like like when you show your baby to someone, and they're always like, "Oh, they're so cute." And like, no, there's a lot of not cute babies out there. But <laughs> no one's but, ever going to tell you your baby's not cute. See, I wish people would. Why don't we have that? Why don't people tell you when your baby is ugly? Well, it's kind of like you ever have. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure the situation has never come up for you, Dave. But have you ever had a situation <laughs> where uh, where you have a friend who is in the wrong relationship, just like totally obsessed? Yes with like totally the wrong person that's usually me i'm usually that friend right so maybe you don't know the side of it but your friends like you can't say anything you can't like there's nothing you can do to productively like get that person out of that situation you have to wait until they get themselves out which might never happen but usually it does uh but like nothing you say like anything you say will just alienate you from them like it it just it doesn't work it it like they are not ready to process that information at that point so when if you if anybody were to tell anyone else their baby's kind of ugly like they would just it would be similarly like just totally rejected as even a valid statement because their brain is not conditioned to even consider that possibility telling somebody their baby is ugly is roughly the same as punching the baby (laughs) (laughs) like the reaction is going to be pretty similar like how dare you well, How that, dare you, there's sir. also the point of there, there's also the angle of like why why bother like why would you do that that just seems like a mean yeah. thing to do like it's an aesthetic thing and it's also subjective and you know we were talking sure. about being nice to people earlier it's like it's one of those things like it's your opinion some opinions are best kept inside i don't know there's <laughs> yes it's subjective but i once saw a baby that's head was shaped like a like like a like a plastic football that had been left on a dashboard like just a melty and gross. That's what that's, are you accomplishing uh, though to say to the parent, your baby has an ugly head? <laughs> like maybe there's <laughs> steps they could take. <laughs> like maybe maybe uh, uh, put put the baby in clothing that you know de-emphasizes their ugly melty football head. Just conceal their entire head. <laughs> Have you ever thought of hats? I don't know, but like you know, maybe maybe, maybe bet big on bonnets. I just, <laughs> I just I have a hard time finding the the you know the benefit of of pointing this sort of thing out. It's yeah. I don't know. It's is it the is it that different from letting somebody know they've got something in their teeth? It is different cuz letting somebody know they have something in their teeth is actually it's kind of how you do it but like you're kind of trying to help them out, right? If they have something in their teeth, like Yeah, cuz that that's like a 2 second fix. For what about, what exactly. about saying, like, it's fixable. What about letting somebody know that uh, they've got a bad haircut? There's nothing they can do about it right then. <laughs> but it grows But they know bad. for later. Well, think about it, though, this way, Dave. Like, with uh, with somebody's baby, like, they made that baby. I mean, yeah, you see how designers get so sensitive about their work, right? <laughs> Imagine, like, with their human being. Well, like, not only do they make that baby, but they're stuck with that baby. Like, you can't get rid of it and get a new one. Exactly. Like, they have to keep it. You have to keep it in. <laughs> Not like you bought a stupid color of car or something. Right. Right, exactly. Like they, they, they can't trade it in for a better one. Like they can they can maybe get a second one and, and which might be better, might not. <laughs> and often they get a little cuter when they get older. Sometimes babies maybe, just maybe. are in an awkward stage. Or they just but, be, or, be, they just start being able to fit in hats. Or it's like being twelve. I don't know. Twelve is not so always is a graceful true. age. No. no. Which is true? Is knowledge power or is ignorance bliss? I I, I have to say ignorance is bliss. I I, I think I'm there with it. I, I think it depends on like how how correctable the problem is. You know, like if you if you tell me, hey, you're pretty bald, 
Like, <laughs> Thanks yes, so I'm much. aware of that. Thank you. I had no idea. There's not a lot I can do about it at this point, nor was there ever, but thank you. You know, like, that's Invest not helpful. <laughs> but if you tell people, like, hey, your car's dirty, <laughs> they can go fix that with 20 minutes and $12. Exactly. Like, it's, it's, that's a quick thing, you know? Like, that's, that's, so it, it just, it depends. You know, like, if, if you tell somebody, hey, you know, your husband's kind of an asshole, but, like, You've been together for 12 years, and you already have three kids, and you bought a house together. Like, what, what exactly are you really going to do about that? Well, it's, that's a correctable problem, too. You, you could, but is it any of your business? Know. That's the thing. It's like, maybe, maybe not, but somebody should tell you. Why? Your car being dirty, that's a temporary thing. It's pretty easy to fix. But if you, just like, if you bought a white car, when that looks stupid, then that's more like your husband is an asshole. Yeah, but even the, <laughs> the severity of the problem, like exactly, it's correctable, but it's hard to do. I I'm hate not saying white it's easy. cars, but like, you know, it's more like if you buy like, if you buy like the wrong car, you know, like if if you just had triplets and you bought a mini, like, well, that's going to be a problem for you. You know, <laughs> that's I didn't think that went <laughs> right. through, but like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. with somebody who's who's married to somebody that you find to be an asshole, like, you know, maybe that's relative and maybe that's not your place. I don't know. Car commentary and, um, you know, there, there's quite a difference there. Haircuts, cars, it's a little different than human beings. How about, how about posture? Posture? I, you know, that's it, interesting. is that worth telling somebody about? Cause that's like, that's like a, it's like a long ingrained habit. That's probably really difficult and slow to change. And to me, right. it's your relation. That one is a really dependent on the relationship you have with the person. Um, yeah, I would say if you feel comfortable telling them that they're overweight, then you can pull mm. that one out too. You're fat and you need to stop slouching. How many people could you could you really say like, you know, you're really getting kind of fat. You should you should really lose some weight. Like, how many people in your life can you say that to and not have problems in that relationship? It's By the way, I want to I want to go back to the example from a minute ago about telling somebody their husband's an asshole. That's a layer of abstraction. Like, could you tell the husband that he's an asshole? Hmm. I would, well, I would like, most likely, yeah, I, I mean, sorry to interrupt there, but yeah, I would probably just be direct with the person. I, I, I mean, you're kind of an asshole, right? Like, yeah, I, I think I'd be more inclined to talk directly to the person about the issue than to go through the third party, I guess. I guess it depends on like, like what, what is your ideal outcome? Is your ideal outcome that they stop being an asshole or that the person leaves them? You know, See, and uh, yeah, and that then so, that's true. Like, what is the motive here? Right. Or is the motive just that you want to be an asshole to them, which is not a great motive. You know, like, there's, I don't know. You're better off just like you. You just stop stop inviting them over, and you just lose a friend, and it's, that's it. <laughs> but then they'll never know, and and wouldn't you want to know? It's like that's that's the reason you break up with people. Oh yeah, right. Or, or no, do you I just would stop love calling? to know if that was me, but I don't want to be the person to tell them. It's like at a restaurant when you get when you get a dish that's not that good. I don't send it back. <laughs> I don't either. I'm I will just, about that. I will suffer through, and I will just never go there again. And I won't say anything to anybody. I'll just oh, if they, so I'll even lie if they ask. Oh, how's the meal? I'll be like, yeah, decent, thanks. You know, we're good. Like, you know, I won't, I won't like say, you know what, this really sucked, and I think this place is terrible, and what the hell is that light over there for? And you know, the, your your manager was weird, and your hostess was a disaster. Like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna insult because, like, <laughs> chances are, my and you're one an little, and your baby's ugly, <laughs> right? Like, chances are, like, my one little comment there is not really going to make a massive difference to anybody. 
chances are it's probably not even going to leave the person I told it to, which is probably a server who has no control over it. It's true. You know, so like, there's nothing like you're not going to get potential for the that. bad. But in you that. should you should give some kind of feedback. And I've I've said before. Well, yeah, and my I feedback. Is I don't people, go back. I I hope that people will will tell me if I'm being a jerk. Don't just like say I'm being a jerk because you disagree with me. But if I'm genuinely being a jerk in a social situation, be polite. But like, let me know because I, I probably don't mean to be a jerk. Sure. That's not an invitation is... to like be a jerk back to me. That's that's a you know. There's a good way and a bad way to handle this. And if you can find the right way to tell me I'm being a jerk, I'm going to appreciate that feedback. I feel like if I'm, we need to do a part two of this show. I feel like we need to do a to be continued. This conversation is going so well, but I have to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take off. Marco, it was awesome talking to you. You too. Have a great night, guys. Bye, Jamie. By the way, your kids are adorable. <laughs> Thanks, Dave.